Amen. What a Savior. What a friend. I'm so thankful for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful blessing to be able to come together and celebrate His resurrection today as we do every Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday, you know. It's because this is the day that the Lord uh, was resurrected again from the grave. And He's alive and the Bible says He's forever interceding for us at the right hand of the throne of God. He's in heaven this morning and He's making intercession for us. That means when we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, we have a wonderful person in heaven, God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, who hears our prayers, can take them directly to the throne. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name, because Jesus has wonderful power and because Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And we celebrate that this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today as we continue our service. Father, it is such a blessing to be able to come together and to worship you. We just sang some wonderful songs. What a Savior, what a friend. Thank you for saving and keeping. Lord, we trust you to keep us till the end. Lord, as we've just finished another week and now we look out at starting a new one, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep us faithfully walking with you. Lord, encourage those who are struggling this morning. Lord, there are many burdens that are being carried today. I pray that today we would leave our burdens with you and trust in you to carry them and encourage us and help us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to you as we go about uh, this coming week. Lord, help us this morning as we hear your word preached, as we sing your praises, as we spend time in prayer, and even later as we give in the offering, that everything we do today would be for your honor and glory. Lord, it's you that we praise and you that we thank for all that you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 3. I have a confession to make. This week and last week, as I've been thinking about Nehemiah chapter 3, I thought this is one of the challenges of preaching through books of the Bible as you come to, book, come to chapters or come to passages. And at least for me, when I first read them, sometimes I think, okay, what am I supposed to preach from this? How is this supposed to help us? And I read Nehemiah 3, and I read Nehemiah 3, and I read Nehemiah 3, and I thought, well, God puts it in the Bible. It's there for a reason. We have something we need to learn from it because the Bible is very clear. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But as you read Nehemiah chapter 3, you have a whole list of people who were working to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. As we know the story, just to catch you up, Nehemiah has heard of the problem back in his hometown, back in Jerusalem. Nehemiah is working as the king's cupbearer in Persia. Many of the nation of Israel had been taken into captivity, and he hears that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. This makes him very sad, as it would anybody, to know that his hometown lays in ruins. And so he goes to the king. But before he does that, he goes to the king of kings and in prayer. And he begins to talk to God and ask God to help. He reminds himself of who God is, God's great power, God's great ability to do whatever he wants to do, God's goodness and God's love for his people, God's promises that he made to his people. And then as he's praying this prayer and probably something similar to it for a number of months, some four months or so, 
The king one day says to him, why are you so upset? What's wrong? Why are you sad? So Nehemiah prays very quickly. We don't even know what he said. We just know that he quickly prayed to the Lord, asked for help, and then he spoke to the king. He told the king the problem. He told the king what was going on, and the king said, well, what do you need? How much time do you need? And who do you need to take with you? And Nehemiah had all those answers ready. Even as he'd been praying, he had been planning. And so the king sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And of course, last week we looked at this idea as he got back to Jerusalem when it was time to rebuild the walls. He spent some time in a few days just kind of collecting himself. Then he went out and he surveyed the damage and he saw what was going on. He did all these things before he let anybody else know what the problem was. And then as he got back to everybody else after a brief time, he shared with all the people how God had blessed and how God had worked and how God had provided the materials. God had provided people the protection that he needed from the king's armies. How God had provided even to let him go from Persia to come back and rebuild the walls. And the people all strengthened their hands, the Bible says, to do the work of the Lord. That's the end of chapter 2. Then in the beginning of chapter 3, we see all of these people working to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And you see in the title here this morning, Unity in the Work of God. I think what we'll see this morning is Many people from all different backgrounds, from all different vocations, from all different places coming together, they were unified to do this work of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And I think there's some wonderful truths that we can learn for our own lives today. Maybe we don't need to go out and lay bricks today and build a wall or put stones on a wall. In fact, archaeologists have dug up portions of the wall that they believe to be the wall that was built during Nehemiah's time. Did you know that wall was eight feet thick? This was not something small that they threw up. This was a large wall that they put around the city. And so as we look at this this morning, I guess my confession to you is this. It was a challenge at first, but I'm very thankful for what God has in this chapter. And while it's a lot of verses, we won't read all the verses through. It's 32 verses or so long and a lot of names and I may not even be able to pronounce every name perfectly. There's some wonderful truth for us this morning, and I hope that you'll follow along as we discuss this idea of unity in the work of God. We will start out by reading a couple verses. I want you to see in verse 1, it says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it. And set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia, they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. We see right here in verse 1, the first people mention getting into the work and laying stones one on top of another is the high priest. Now, this is not the man you would have expected to be out laying stones and building a wall. This was a man who had religious duties. And so we would think he would have many of those things to do. But this man, this religious man, this spiritual leader in the group of people there, he rose up with his brethren. He got the other priests together and they began to rebuild the wall. It's so encouraging as we see in this passage and we'll see over the whole chapter 3, all of these different people coming together to do this work. It's so important that we remember that we are never 
too important to get out and to work hard with someone else. We're never too important to be a part of the work that God needs to be done. Don't ever think of yourself as too good to do the work that God has put in front of you. I'm so thankful for people that have been involved in the work here at our church. One of the people that encouraged me very much when we started was my pastor, Pastor Clayton, and he'll be here in September to preach for us. But uh, he encouraged me. He's, I think, just turned 86, and he told me when we were getting started, he said, oh, I wish I had, was 10 years younger so I could put on some overalls and come down there and help paint and help clean and go out with you and help go soul winning and do those things. I'm so thankful for people that no matter what age they are, no matter what stage they are, no matter what place they are, no matter what position they are, continue in the work of the Lord. Sometimes our place changes, sometimes our ability changes, sometimes our strength changes, but we can still be a part of the work of the Lord. You know, as we study this passage this morning, I think you'll see this very clearly. There are no unimportant people in God's work. Everybody's important to God's work. These people, the high priests and the other priests, they were there busy. They builded this sheep gate. The sheep gate would have been the place most likely where they would have brought the sheep in to be sacrificed in the temple. This was a very important place because the sacrificial system is what the children of Israel had to follow so that they could make atonement for their sins. It was picturing the future sacrifice of Jesus Christ who would come. And as these people are rebuilding this wall around the city, they begin by building the sheep gate, the place where the sheep would be brought in for the sacrifices. The Bible says here, they sanctified it. They took some time to pray and to set this place apart because it was special for the work. You see, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem wasn't just about protection from enemies. It was also about reestablishing the worship of God in the nation of Israel. When God's people come together to do God's work, when God's people work in unity together, it brings great worship to God. It says, these priests are saying by their effort, this is important. What we're doing matters. This had lain in ruins for a long time now. In fact, this high priest, if you look him up back in the book of Ezra, he's the grandson of the high priest that was the high priest under Zerubbabel, the man who came back to rebuild the walls and had been stopped. And so here's a man who's ready to carry on the religious things of the day, the things that needed to be carried on, the sacrifices. And so he gets busy in the work of the Lord. But in this passage of Scripture, we don't just see the priests working. In fact, in verse 2 it says, And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zachar the son of Imri. So next to the priests, we have the men of Jericho living or working. Now this is interesting because Jericho is not Jerusalem, is it? You would expect to see the next group of people to be a group of people from Jerusalem. And there were many people from Jerusalem involved in the work. But there were also men from Jericho. Later on you'll see down in verse 7, there are men from Gibeon. There were Gibeonites. 
There were men from Mizra. There were men from various other surrounding towns and villages. Isn't it interesting when people come together to do the work of the Lord? Sometimes it's not even the people close that come. Sometimes it's people from far away. Aren't you thankful when God sends people from all over to do His work? I just, uh, for me in my own heart, my own mind, as I think about how God has blessed us here, I'm so thankful for the people that have come from other places to help us here. We've had group after group after group of people come. Did they get any benefit from coming to Houston other than sweating a lot in the summertime? Well, I believe it's because they're not here to lay up earthly treasure. They're here to lay up heavenly treasure. You know, when you come from another city or you go to another place, like on a mission trip around the world, you're going someplace else to help somebody in a different place. We, we have an opportunity, and of course I know their plans changed a little bit, but we're praying for the Ngogas and for Christine as she goes back over. What benefit does she get to go over there, to leave family and friends here, to go back over there? Sure, she has some family over there, but that's a long way to travel. Why would somebody do that? Well, you see, when the work of the Lord is going forth, when people come together to do God's work, sometimes they come from far different places. They may not experience the benefit themselves personally that we might expect, but they're still part of the work because they want to see God's work go forward. And there's always benefit for us when we are part of God's work. I would say this very simply. Doing God's work should not be motivated only by personal benefit. Why do you do what you do? Why are you serving in the way that you serve? We need to be careful, and I don't think this is a problem here, but just something that we should watch out for so that it never becomes a problem here. We want to be careful that we aren't serving in some place at Arise Baptist Church just so people can notice us and say, Wow, what a great person, or wow, what a great singer, what a great teacher, wow, what a talented individual. No, we don't do this for our glory. We do it for God's glory. And if God would even call us or have us involved in helping another place like we're working to help the Crips get their church started, no, that doesn't maybe benefit us directly here, but it is beneficial to us, isn't it? Because we're a part of God's work, even if it's in another place. So we have men from Jericho. We have men from other cities and towns and villages around coming to do the work. Jump down to verse number 5. It says, And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. Very picturesque language. Put not their necks to the work of their Lord. So we have these men from this place called Tekoa, the Tekoites. When you look this up on a map, this is near the area that was controlled by Geshem the Arabian. Geshem is mentioned at the end of chapter 2 and then later on in chapter 4 as this ruler over a certain area. And he was upset that the walls were being rebuilt around Jerusalem. So we don't know this for certain, but it would seem like Perhaps this ruler over there who was against the rebuilding, he had influence over the nobles in Tekoa. So the men from Tekoa came to work, but the nobles, they didn't. 
The Bible says very simply, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. When we get concerned about what someone else might think and whether someone else might approve if we obey God, we are in trouble already. See, we ought to obey God rather than man. We should care more about what God thinks than what somebody else thinks. So we don't know all why these nobles weren't working in, in there, but there's a good chance they were not working because they were afraid of what Geshem the Arabian might think of them. We need to be very careful as we're doing God's work because the fear of man will keep you from the work of God. The fear of man will keep you from the work of God. I remember the very first time I got some flyers and some tracks together and I went out to go make the first visit to invite somebody to our church. None of you are here yet. I remember going out and I thought, we've talked a lot about this. We believe that Jesus still saves people. We believe that the Bible is true. We believe that the gospel works. And we don't just believe it. It is true. It does work. But there was that fear in my heart the first time I raised my hand. I thought, "Are we?" because once you do that, it's hard to go back, right? Once you go and invite somebody to church, you can't go back and say, well, we're not going to start the church after all. You kind of have to go through with it, right? And you can talk a good game. You can have a lot of plans. You can talk about how great it's going to be. But sometimes there's just the work of laying the brick on top of another brick and the sweat and the sunshine and the going to the next house, to the next house, to the next house and talking to the next person, inviting somebody that's going to say no and doesn't want to hear from you. But I'm so thankful that we can be involved in the work of the Lord. But it's so easy to let the fear of man keep us from God's work. We're seeing all these people come together working in unity to accomplish a great work for the Lord as the city is being rebuilt, as the walls of protection are coming up, as they are able to begin worshiping God better than they were before because the walls were rebuilt. In fact, later on when the book of Nehemiah, it talks about how Nehemiah set a watch at the gate so that they could protect the Sabbath day. Because there were people coming in on the Sabbath day, the Jewish day of worship, trying to buy and sell and do things that they weren't supposed to do. And so Nehemiah was able to put a guard at the gate so they wouldn't come in and out and buy and sell. They were coming in at the fish gate and selling fish and they were doing all kinds of other things. And Nehemiah was trying to stress to the people the importance of worshiping God together. This work is going forward. But we see it that it's important to understand it's not because one person is more important than somebody else. There are no unimportant people in God's work. It wasn't being done because people were being motivated by their own personal benefits. If you just come to church just for your own personal benefits, you won't stay very long. It will be pretty easy to get you to go someplace else. Because there's always a better club. There's always a better organization. There's always some place that's more fun. These people weren't accomplishing the work of God because they were afraid of what other people would think. Because the fear of man will keep you from the work 
of God. You see on down in this chapter, I turned two pages, that doesn't work very well. As they're continuing in the work of the Lord, look down at verse number 8. Next unto him repaired Uziel, the son of Harhai, of the goldsmiths. I thought this was very interesting. We have a goldsmith repairing a stone wall. Seems a little beneath him or out of his area of expertise. But it wasn't just the goldsmiths. Next unto him also repaired Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries. The, the perfume makers, the people who mix different things together to make a different sense. It says, and they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. Isn't it interesting how people from all different types of vocations and backgrounds came together to perform this work? We already talked about the priest. Now we have the goldsmiths. We have the, uh, the apothecaries all come together to rebuild a wall. Why did they do this? Because they had a unity of purpose. They have a, had a unity of need. They needed to have this wall rebuilt. They had a purpose. They wanted to protect the city. They wanted to do the work that God had for them to do. God uses people from every background with any kind of skill or ability with any level of social or political influence to fulfill His, His purposes. Any surrendered, serving person is valuable to the work of the Lord. If you are a surrendered person, that means, God, here you go, whatever I have, whatever I am, whatever talents and abilities I have, they're all yours. God can use you. If you're willing to serve Him with whatever you have, there's nobody who can say, well, I just haven't had the right training to be able to serve God. No, good training helps us to serve God. Sure, it's more tools in the toolbox. We're not downplaying good training. But you can serve God with what He's given you right now. These men, they came together. We had perfume makers. You don't think of them having very tough hands, do you? I don't know. I don't think there's any perfume makers in here this morning. But I just imagine if I shook the hand of a perfume maker, it wouldn't be a very strong callous grip. I imagine a pretty soft hand. Because he's mixing chemicals and doing kind of light work, it would seem like. A goldsmith, well, he may be very good with his attention to detail. You wouldn't think of him being really strong to haul around big stones and put them on the wall. See, it's often easy when there are various things to do in the work of God to sit back and say, well, I'm not talented enough to do that. Or to say, well, I, I've had some, I have some bad things in my background. I, I, I'm not sure if you really want me there. Or to say, well, I've got a lot of other things on my plate. I'm not sure if I can be a part of that. So you had people from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of skill levels working to rebuild the wall. God will use anyone who is willing to serve. The question is, have you given yourself to Him to be usable by Him? You keep going though in this chapter and we see in verse 9 and then also in verse 12, 
we see some of the rulers of the city involved in rebuilding the walls. See, everybody came together to do this. There was great unity in the work of the Lord. Next unto them, verse 9, repaired Rephiah, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. Look down at verse 12. There's something interesting about this ruler. He was also the ruler, I'm assuming, of the other half of Jerusalem. But it says that he came, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. He even had his daughters out there helping rebuild the wall. You know, isn't it interesting of all the things that God could put in the Bible, he made sure that this phrase about this guy, that his daughters were there involved rebuilding the wall with him. Isn't that encouraging? Ladies, there's no work that God would call you to do that you can't do with his strength. God wants you to do it, you can do it. Amen. That's a wonderful thing about a true follower of Jesus Christ and about somebody who really takes the Bible at his word. There's no diminishing of, of ladies in the work of God. Well, the Bible does have different places for men and ladies to serve in the work of God. They're all involved in God's work together. And that's a wonderful thing. True Christianity is not about exalting one gender over another. No, it's about serving God together in unity, in harmony, in the way that God wants us to serve. So thankful for this man who... This work was so valuable, he brought his daughters, I think from another perspective, not just the fact that they were young ladies, but that he would bring his family with him to do the work. This was so vital for the city to be rebuilt that he wasn't just there by himself, he brought his family along with him. He brought his children along with him. And as we think about doing God's work together, it's wonderful to be able to do it as part of a church family. It's wonderful to be able to do it with our families as well. That we would serve God together. So we have the rulers working. One other very interesting thing in verse 10. We see a next unto him repaired Jediah the son of Haromaph even over against his house. And next unto him repaired Hattish the son of Hashabniah. We have these people working on the portions of the walls right next to their houses. As people are serving God and working together, Nehemiah had assigned various people to various places around the wall. And he had people working right next to their own house. You know, it's interesting as you think about Nehemiah delegating and assigning people work. It's very true. People are often more motivated by working in their own area, aren't they? Working in a place that they value, that's important to them. That's why I take better care of my yard than I do of my neighbor's yard, right? Because their yard is not my yard. These people were motivated because they were able to work in their own area. They were able to spend less time traveling back and forth across the city. These people would be less likely to leave during an attack because that was a real danger, wasn't it? Because they were serving in a place that mattered to them. They were building the wall that protected their own homes. And this made it possible for the whole family to work together. There are a lot of things that could be said about this idea about working next to your house, but 
I think it's so important as we think about serving God and doing what God wants us to do, to be able to serve in a place where we can serve alongside of our family. To be able to bring our children and our grandchildren along to show them by example what it means to serve God. I think it's so important as we serve God to find a place where we can come together and to work a place that we value, a place that we would want to protect ourselves. Now, there are many other people listed in this chapter. There are many other people who worked in the work of the Lord to rebuild the walls. In fact, in verse 20, there was a man named Baruch. The Bible says he earnestly repaired the other piece. He's mentioned for his zeal that he worked very hard to repair the work of the Lord. We could go on and compare various other people. The priests are mentioned. Some people are mentioned because they repaired in two different places. The goldsmiths are mentioned later on in verse 31. The merchants are talked about in verse 32. We could go on and on and on talking about all these different people. But in thinking about this this morning, I really wanted us to kind of look at a few of these different types of people working as really an introduction for us to think about what it means to work together in unity in the work of the Lord. It's so important that we remember that there are no unimportant people in God's work. That we shouldn't be motivated by our own personal benefit. That if we're doing work out of fear, or if we're afraid of what other people think of us, we won't do God's work as we should. We need to remember that God uses any kind of person who's willing to serve Him, who surrendered their life to Him. But as we think about this idea of working together, I think there's a wonderful example for us with the children of Israel there with Nehemiah for how we should be working together in a church. While Nehemiah and his people were not a church, their example of working together, their example of following God is an example that even together as a church now, I believe we should follow. As we look at this passage, I think it's very clear that the work progressed because everyone took part from rulers and temple personnel to merchants and citizens with their families. The Bible says over in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You see there in verse 16, it says the whole body. The whole body, this is speaking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is very clearly taught in the New Testament to be the church. As this body works together, it's fitly joined together, just like you know it when you have something out of joint or when your knee's messed up or something else is going on, right? We're praying for Brother Joe that he gets his knee situation taken care of. 
We're praying for Brother Larry because he's got situation with his health he's working on. We're, we're, we're praying for Katie and her health situation. We're, we're praying for Julie's sister. She's got some health needs. There are other people with difficult things going on and we feel that in the body, don't we? When people are hurting physically. But just like we feel it when people are hurting physically, we feel it when people are hurting spiritually. Because it affects our ability to come together and do the work that God has called us to do. We see this wall being rebuilt around a whole city, and we'll see it more in the coming weeks. They did this in a record-breaking amount of time. It was incredibly fast. They rebuilt this entire wall. And not only did they do it in record time, they also did it with enemies standing there threatening to attack the entire time. In fact, the Bible tells us that some of the people were working with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. In other places, they had half the men working and the other half standing with, with their weapons ready to defend in case of an attack. These people, as they're coming together to work in unity, I want you to understand, when you come together to do a work for God, it's not always easy. There will be opposition. We'll see that more next week. There will be attacks both from outside and from inside. Coming to do God's work is about God's people coming together to serve Him and understanding that it's the whole body giving each part that it can give to serve. It says, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. In other words, every part, every person is important. You're important to this church. That's why you're here. You're important to the work of the Lord. It's really sad when Christian people walk around and say, well, I just don't think I'm needed. I just don't think I'm very important. I just don't matter. Now, it's not about our own pride. Don't get me wrong. It's not me saying, look at me, I'm important. No, but in the sense of, God wants to use me in His work if I'll just be usable, if I'll allow Him to use me. Now, I understand there are lots of reasons why sometimes people can feel looked over. Maybe someone else is serving in the slot that you'd really like to be in and you just don't get to be there like you want to be. Don't worry, God has another place for you. There's always a place for you in the work of the Lord if you'll be faithful. To serve Him. There's a place for you in this church to serve the Lord because we're a body, a body that's growing, a body that needs more people serving together to follow Him. Notice as every joint supplies in Ephesians 4, it says, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, every part working together. And what happens? It says, maketh increase of the body. The body increases, it grows. And it's edified unto the edifying of itself in love. The work progressed because everyone took part, but also the work progressed because the right leaders were chosen and authority was delegated. Nehemiah was the right leader for this project. 
God was working through him. God was using him. God was supplying needs through him. And Nehemiah, he didn't take the glory for himself here. He's passing it on. He's passing on the work. He's getting other people involved. He's working together. This story isn't about Nehemiah. This story is not about the children of Israel. This story is about an almighty God who can do His work through anybody if they'll be faithful to serve Him. That's why we need to be so careful. We're not here to write the story of a pastor. We're not here to write the story of a Rise Baptist Church. We're here to continue on the work of God in any way that He sees fit. It's not for our glory. It's for His. And when we understand that, when we work faithfully in it, God will do His work and He'll do it through us. And sure, there may be some people someday, just like today, we look back and we see what Nehemiah did and we see what the children of Israel did, and it can encourage us. And maybe God would allow us to be an encouragement to somebody else. But people aren't really that encouraged by just us. They get most encouraged by God and what He can do. See, the right leaders were chosen, authority was delegated. We see that in Scripture as Paul speaks to Timothy. This is for the New Testament church. This is for Arise Baptist Church. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's why we want to train others who can train others who can continue that process because God's work progresses when there's the right leaders and right workers all serving God together. And then back to our really our title, the theme this morning of unity in the work of God. The work progressed because there was great unity. Each person had their place. Each person did their work. You don't read of people complaining or quitting. People worked. In fact, when you read on in the chapters, <laughs> Nehemiah says that he and the, all the workers didn't even stop to take off their clothes except when they needed to be washed. I was glad that he put that little tidbit in there so we didn't think they were just stinking all the time. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? These people came together in great unity to do the work of God. In fact, they were so excited and so busy about this work, they didn't stop except to wash their clothes. Glad that they did that. I'm not going to make a big, deep spiritual point about how important it is for you to do your laundry, but uh, I'm thankful that you did this morning. <laughs> but we see great unity here. Jesus over and over and over again spoke about the importance of unity in the work of the Lord. Jesus Himself in John 17, verse 21 through 23, He says that they all may be one. As Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they, may also, they also may be one, in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. Isn't that interesting? That our unity and working together in the work of the Lord is what Jesus says will point other people to Christ. You know, when Christians are in disarray 
and disunity, nobody is pointed towards Christ, are they? Instead, they're pointed away from Christ. Many people, and some of you can tell those stories, of being turned away and turned off towards the things of the Lord because you saw Christians fighting and bickering among themselves. When the children of Israel murmuring and complaining, it didn't point people towards Jehovah God. No, it turned them away from God. Same thing is true in a church. Jesus says, though, our unity is to be in Him as He is one with God the Father. There is great unity in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. You don't ever read of the Trinity having an argument amongst itself, no. It's three in one. And God wants us to be one in Christ and in Him. Because when we're with God, when we're with Christ, no, not everybody's going to choose to believe in God. Not everybody's going to follow Jesus Christ. But this will show the world that Jesus is real, that we're one in Him. And in our unity, it says that others may believe in Him. You keep reading in the passage, he says in verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You know, when Christians are not in unity, does that speak to the world of a loving God? No, it says, well, clearly their God isn't very loving because neither are they. Love still speaks the truth. We know that. Love doesn't have to sugarcoat it. Love still speaks the truth. But you do it in love because you actually care about the person you're speaking to. I think that's an important message for us as Christians today as we continue to walk together and look to walk in unity and as we try to reach this lost world. There are many Christians today who just want to complain and gripe about all the problems in the world today. And there are many. Complaining and griping won't fix any of the problems. Telling everyone else they're awful people and I can't understand why you have this problem is not going to fix the problem. Speaking the truth in love, sharing the gospel so that people might be turned to Jesus Christ and walk in fellowship with Him. That's the way to change the world. Yes, you should still speak the truth. Yes, you need to go out, I believe, and vote when you're given those opportunities. Yes, you should be involved in trying to promote godliness and righteousness. We should do all those things. But we don't do it by being angry and yelling at people and calling people names. We do it by speaking the truth in love. And there are many Christians, oh, they, they want to fight for their rights. They want to fight everybody, it seems like. And yet God has called us to live in unity one with another and unity with God. The work progressed because there was great unity in Finally, this morning, we'll see that unity in doing God's will is a testament, a testimony to the work of God. We see over in Acts chapter 2, and we covered this a couple months ago in my class on Sunday nights, 
But every time we go through a new starting point class on Sunday nights, I always like to start in Acts chapter 2. And that's where we'll finish our message this morning. I know we've jumped around and looked at a lot of different passages this morning. And normally we just go through one passage. But as I studied through chapter 3 of Nehemiah, you just saw all these different principles coming to light as the people work together. And I wanted us to relate that to where we live today as a, as a church and as individuals. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So we see this beginning of the church as many people were saved that day of Pentecost and then they come together and they're continuing in the truth, the apostles' doctrine. They're continuing in fellowship. They're getting together. They're encouraging one another in the Lord. Then they broke bread together. They ate together. They prayed together. And what was the result of this? And what is the result of when God's people come together in great unity? What was the result Back in Nehemiah's day, when God's people came together in great unity, you can see that in verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. What's the result? Everybody says, God must be real. God is at work. God is doing something over there. They don't like it. They might try to fight against it. They might try to push back. They might try to get away from it. But they can't argue that God is real and God is at work. Somebody said to me, or I read something this week, maybe you read something similar. It said, uh, if the Bible really is a bunch of fairy tales, then why is it banned in so many countries? We don't need to outlaw Cinderella. You know, that was the idea. It's, it's not a fairy tale. It's truth, and that's why there are people that stand against it. In our world today, if we'll stand up for truth, we will have people stand against us. If we try to do what God wants us to do, there will be people that don't like that because there are always people that don't, don't like someone that's trying to do right. There's great evil in this world. But we see what happens here is these people came together in unity. Everybody else had to recognize there's something real. Most people are serious about this. And it says in verse 44, All that believed were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions, goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord. There's that unity. One accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I want to be glad. I want to have unity and singleness of heart. They praise God, the Bible says, and they had favor with all the people. And that last phrase is wonderful. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. A number of years ago, I was at an event. Somebody was preaching, and I was challenged about being a part of God's work. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a good church. I grew up around all those things. I'm very thankful for my heritage. But as I thought about my own life, I thought, I want to be in a place serving God where we are seeing people come to Christ on a daily basis. Is that a bad goal to have? I don't think so. 
The Bible says in the book of Acts, the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, I can't go out and manufacture salvations. That's got to be God's work. But wouldn't it be great to be in a church where we could say, yeah, people are being saved every day. I talked to a pastor after that who said, yes, that's been our experience. I said, wow, that's incredible. I thought, wouldn't that be great? Not only people coming to Christ daily, but people growing in the Lord and being discipled. And then you start to think, well, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work to build a wall around the city too, isn't it? These people came together and they did it. God's called us to a wonderful work. Reaching the lost, making disciples, training people. Yes, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. I'm not up here today proposing something easy for us. Well, let's just be unified. And sometimes we think of that means... That just means we all sit in the same room and hold hands and smile at each other and it'll be okay. No, it, it takes a lot of work to have unity, doesn't it? Especially when you're trying to be unified while you're working together. Because what happens when you're working, like building a wall? A guy's trying to put a stone up and it slips and it falls down and another guy gets bruised up or beaten up. His first reaction, all right, what'd you do that for? Be more careful. Anytime you're doing work together, it's tough to maintain that unity. It's a good thing. It's a good goal. It's what we want to strive towards. But you have to keep working towards it all the time because it doesn't just stay unified because you have people involved. You have difficulties involved. Problems come, and we'll see more of the opposition that comes and how they continued to stay unified in the work of the Lord. This is not easy stuff. This isn't kindergarten-level Christianity or church things. This is serious stuff this is challenging things so how are we going to do this how are we going to get to the place where we could say god is working all the time we're seeing people come to christ regularly we just we, we have to keep this thing full all the time to have the people baptized and we we just keep having to set out more chairs and more chairs is that is that possible i think it is is it possible for more and more churches to be started i think it is Next Sunday, there's going to be some guys here from Milwaukee, Wisconsin that want to come down here and say, how can we take what God's doing here and how can we do something like that up in Wisconsin? Because we've got some churches that need to be started up there. I hope you look for them and encourage them. They'll talk funny. I know they're from Wisconsin. They can't help it. <laughs> we got our Michiganer over here. He talks funny too, right? So they can't help it. And they think we talk funny and we're, we do that together. It's okay. But isn't it wonderful to think that, yeah, you could have some people from Africa and some people from Michigan and, and some people from Mexico and some people from various other Latin American countries and people from Colombia. I know we got some Colombians here this morning. And, and we'd have some people from Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, rough, rough crowd. And we got some people from... All over the country. We, we had somebody here from India this morning. We, we've got people from all over the place. And that God could bring all those people together to do a work for Him. Isn't that exciting to think about? I mean, it, it's all, it almost sounds like goldsmiths and apothecaries and just some regular laborers, guys working next to their own house. And it sounds like maybe there are some leaders, some rulers in the city. And, 
Maybe some guys who just had a bunch of daughters. And, and maybe just some other people working with their families and kids and, and God do a great work. You know, just saying those things. I, I, got, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. Old people and young people and people just faithfully coming together to do God's work. I think it's possible not because we're great, but because He's great. Amen. Because we can't do it on our own. Nehemiah encouraged these people as he continued to share with them the work of the Lord. We saw that in chapter 2. And we can be encouraged as we hear of God's work going forth here and in other places. We ought to be encouraged by that. we got to keep praying because there's so much that needs to be done. we got to keep praying for David and his work down there. God's putting things together. They're getting ready to start up their Bible study again. It's going to be going every week. I'm excited about that. you got to be praying for that, though, because it's it's... Wonderful to have your 20 people the first time, but then it's every week and every week and every week, and it's a lot of work. It's not always fun. There's opposition. Things don't always go your way. We have missionaries serving the Lord around the world. Think of one this morning. He's here in the States right now, but we've got to be praying for John Schrader. He was here a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, and he's hurt his back really badly, but God has provided. He's having surgery a week from tomorrow. Pray that that surgery goes well. Pray that God will raise him up and give him strength so he can go back to Zambia and keep sharing the gospel with people over there. It's so important. Pray for the people that are serving here on a weekly basis. We have people every week going out in our community and trying to share the gospel with people in our community. We need to pray for them. Pray for safety. Pray for strength. It's hot right now. Pray that God would continue to work. There's people that are sick and hurting in our church. We need to pray for those people. We need to encourage those people. We need to help them. They need it. We've got to keep looking around to one another and saying, hey, they look a little tired. How can I encourage them? Or, hey, maybe I could send them a note and let them know I'm praying for them. Or, they've got this or that. What can we do to be an encouragement together in the work of the Lord? What can we do to lift up one another's arms and give a little strength for the day? I don't think there's anybody in here that's working too hard that hasn't been able to do their laundry. But if that's you, let me know and I'll... We can come over here and we'll wash your clothes for you or something, just so you can stay in the work of the Lord like Nehemiah and his guys were doing. But whatever it is, isn't it wonderful? The Bible says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I'm so thankful for the unity that we have in Christ. But it's so easily lost when we allow our own ambition, our own pride, our own selfishness to get in the way. We've got to have the purpose, and that is bringing glory to Christ. And we do that as we share the gospel, as we make disciples, as we stay together in the work of the Lord. I know this is pretty simple stuff in one sense to say, and stuff we talk about all the time, but it's because it's so important. And we need to keep doing it as a church. Thank you for your faithfulness to Him. Keep being faithful. If there's something in your life you say, Pastor, I know I've been doing this and I shouldn't be doing it. Don't tell me about it. Tell God and ask Him to forgive you and do right. If you're here this morning and you say, I need to be in this, but I'm not. Trust Christ today. He'll he'll receive you. Ask Him to forgive your sins. He'll do it. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Serve Him with your life. I realize it's easy. All of us can, I, I can give you a list of things right now of why I can't do some of the things that I want to do for God. You probably can make a list of those things as well. Don't get so caught up in all the things that you can't do for God that you'd really like to do for God, but you just aren't able to. 
Do for God what you're able to do right now. Serve Him faithfully. Don't hold back in some area of your life. Well, i just not trained in that yet. Well, if God wants you to do it, start getting training, but keep serving God where you're at right now. And let God use you. I think it would be a wonderful, exciting thing to see a church like what was going on in Acts. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God can do great things. And He does do great things. Wants faithful people. Here's an old song we would sing sometimes and maybe know it. It says, the chorus says this, Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. If you'll go in Jesus' name. One of the great verses in that song speaks of the harvest fields that white. We need to go out and win it, win folks to Christ as we continue in the work of the Lord. God's been so good to our church. God's blessed us this summer. So thankful for new people in our church, new folks serving the Lord with us. So thankful for what God's doing. But I hope you'll continue to say, where can I go? Where's my place at the wall? What can I do to serve? What can I do to follow Christ? Because I want to see God's work go forward. God can do great things if we'll be faithful to Him. Father, we thank You for this day. Lord, I pray that You take just this message that I feel is kind of, kind of a, a family talk to encourage us and challenge us to walk together in unity with You. Help us to keep You as our head not to get busy following someone or something else, but to lift you up. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.